This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Basically, I've hunted all over the world, countries like Pakistan, Iran, uh, Azerbaijan. I, I grew up eating meat. If, if we didn't, if my dad didn't get a moose every fall, then we didn't have meat for the winter. He wanted the ambulance to stop at the sporting goods store to, so he could get his whitetail license. That's a true story, 86 years old. And I know how we've been vilified and marginalized by the mainstream press, you know, turned into these ugly caricatures. My personal 24-hour record for death threats is 88. You know, those, those fields of tofu, that was formerly habitat for wildlife. And now it's a monoculture. You're killing off wildlife by being a vegetarian just as much as a hunter when he kills a deer. That I made a positive influence on the non-hunting public about what hunters are and what hunting is. Then I, I would be, I would be uh, overjoyed. Hi, this is Jim Shockey, and you're listening to Living Country in the City, episode number 31. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. Hey, y'all, thank you for tuning in for episode 31 of Living Country in the City. You know, it's been a crazy couple of weeks with the day job and some events and generally prepping for my Idaho elk hunt, so I'd really like to apologize for going so long without releasing a new episode. You know, I do my best to release on a regular weekly schedule, but as you all know, life sometimes tends to get in the way. But hopefully you'll agree with me that your patience is being richly rewarded with this episode. You know, I have to say that while I look forward to each and every guest I get to speak with and learn from on this podcast, you know, there's very few that can get me quite as excited as today's guest. He is one of the very first personalities to really inspire me to truly begin my journey into the outdoors and hunting, and I know he's had a similar, very profound effect on hundreds, if not thousands, of other folks out there. I'm super excited to get started, so let's not waste any more time. Jim, thanks for hopping on the call. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, uh... My podcast is geared towards new hunters, people kind of new to the outdoors. Um, 
I find it still a little bit hard to believe that anyone hasn't heard of uh, Jim Shockey. But for those who may not uh, quite be in the know, could you maybe uh, just give me a little bit of a background on kind of your history with hunting and the outdoors? Sure, yeah. I, I, uh, I actually started, uh, obviously, I, I grew up hunting. I grew up in Saskatchewan, Canada. But uh, professionally, I wrote my first hunting article back in 1984. Uh, it was an archery article for a magazine called Bullbender Magazine. Got $42 for that first article way back when. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I basically graduated from uh, being an outdoor writer to being on outdoor television. Uh, you know, I'm an outfitter up in Canada in the Yukon. We've got the Rogue Roping Territory about seven million square acres, not a single road or house or person living in there, just a you know, remote wilderness and northern Vancouver Island for, for black bears, our Pacific Rim opening territory and out in Saskatchewan, our Canadian Whitetail Adventure. So so I, I've uh, I've been in the industry a long time, uh, hunted all over the world, probably 50 different countries, just about anywhere where it's legal to hunt. Um, I, I've hunted in, in some of the places many, many times, including Countries like Pakistan, Iran, uh, Azerbaijan, China, Russia have been all through West Africa, Liberia, Congo, Ghana, and, uh, and most of the African countries. In fact, I just got back from Somalia from a month hunting there. So, so basically, I've hunted all over the world, been a professional hunter slash um, outfitter guide for 25 years and, and writing or on television for 33 years. So pretty much when it comes to hunting, you can say you've run the gamut and chased just about everything then. <laughs> well, you, you can say I've tried to chase just about everything. I haven't, <laughs> haven't always been successful at getting those animals, but, uh, but yeah, I, I've, I've pretty much tried to chase everything. Yeah, you'd be right when you said that. So, so with all of these countries and all of these animals you've chased, is there a favorite, I have to ask? Yeah, there is. Uh, you know, I'm I'm heading up to the Yukon uh, pretty quick uh, for Alaskan Yukon moose, and, and to me, the Alaskan Yukon moose during the rut, where they live is is that's my favorite big game animal to to hunt in the world. Uh, they're they're just magnificent animals, and and always live in a remote area. Uh, you know, obviously the largest antlered big game animal in the world, but, but also they, they taste great. I, I was, <laughs> I, I grew up eating meat. If, if we didn't, if my dad didn't get a moose every fall, then we didn't have meat for the winter. We, we lived on macaroni. There, there was no going out and buying a cow. In fact, I didn't even know you could do that um, until I was uh, quite a bit older. We, you know, we lived in a, in a trailer park actually until I was six years old. So, so it's, um, you know, for me, moose is my favorite big game animal, but, but if you change the question just slightly and said, if you could only hunt one more animal for the rest of your life, one more species, what would it be? That that wouldn't be moose. It would be white-tailed deer. You know, that's that's I again grew up hunting white-tailed deer. I uh, got my first white-tailed deer long before I got my first moose, and <laughs> uh, and I you know, I, I would love to be able to hunt white-tailed deer. You know, till till the day I die. I mean, God willing. My my father passed away three years ago, and. He was 86 when he took his last white-tailed deer, 85, actually. He was just just about to be 86 and just about to enter the white-tailed season for, in his 86 year when he passed away. In fact, 
on the way to the hospital. They, uh, he wanted the ambulance to stop at the sporting goods store to, so he could get his whitetail license <laughs> on the way to the hospital. And that, that's a true story. 86 years old. Uh, or he was just about to be 86. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I would love to be in that same boat. I mean, hunting, hunting till the day I die for whitetail deer. So, so a slight variation on that favorite big game animal question. <laughs> well, you know, stories like that definitely, I think, uh, explain why you are the hunter you are. I can imagine why you're the why you're the the man who's gone all over the world hunting with uh, with a father like that. How could you not be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he. You know, it's funny. He he's the one that taught me how to hunt. Obviously, you know, my father was very important to me in that regard. But but he was he was not uh, the same type of hunter I was. And if anybody's watched our television show over the years, they'll know that he was a meat hunter. So to him, he always said antlers don't make good soup, and, and he would turn down the biggest buck, waiting for the fattest buck. And that's <laughs> that's all he cared about. Uh, so yeah, he he was uh, he he was a uh, he, he was an interesting guy, and, and like I say, we 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 had some discussion about what hunting was all about many many times. Uh, he was meat hunting. I was for the experience. The longer you're out there, the better hunt it was. For him, the shorter the hunt, the sooner you can get back to work. And have meat in the freezer, the, the better the hunt was. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm getting ready to go on my my very first hunt. Um, I'm I'm definitely challenging myself. I'm doing a backcountry DIY archery elk hunt uh, in a, about three weeks. Um, first time <laughs> ever out in the backcountry, ever. I mean, hunting, so to speak. Um, and you know, I'm. I've got so much going on in my head. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I'm, I I want to go out for the meat. I want to go out for the experience. You know, I also wouldn't mind taking a nice trophy. But it's, you know, it's hard to say what I'm looking forward to the most, whether it's, you know, filling that freezer or, you know, getting to take that grip and grin photo or just being out there for 10 days, you know, in the in the backcountry. So it's it's definitely there's a lot going on in my brain when it comes to this. Yeah, I can imagine. Wow, that that's uh, that's a huge challenge to to go out backpacking for for elk and, and archery. You said as well. Yep, archery hunt. Holy smokes! <laughs> well, you, you let's just say you're bitten off a big chunk, and, uh, <laughs> and 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 really, as long as you go in with understanding that there's those different components to a hunt. A lot of people focus on the kill, and that, you know, in the public press nowadays that's what they focus on when they talk about hunters, you know, that, that all we care about is the kill and they'll have a, like you say, a grip and grin or a hero shot, we call them. Um, and they'll use that as an example. And this is, this is what hunters are, you know, this is all they care about. But you, you've said the other components are, you know, part of the other components. And one is 10 days in the outdoors. That That's fantastic. Now, yes, you could just go out and camp and not be hunting, but, then you know why why are you doing that? I guess that's you have, you're enjoying one part of being out there, but it's kind of a a voyeuristic you know part. It's not not the part that we were meant to do as humans from way back. What we're what we were designed to do and how we survived. So when you add in the hunting component, now you're camping with a purpose. You know, so yes, you're getting all those elements that a camping trip would would give and that somebody that doesn't hunt would enjoy. But you're also adding in the fact that if you find out now you can actually try and stock them legally 
and test your skills against their skills. So you're not just out there going, oh, there's a beautiful elk, let's take a picture. Now you're trying to sneak up on them with a bow and arrow, which is, uh, you know, a, a primitive primitive weapon. <laughs> and, and then if you're successful, so you've got all those components, which are all part of a hunting. And if you're successful, then you're going to be able to fill your freezer with the greatest organic meat available. You know, they've proven it over and over and over again that wild game meat is, is the best meat you can eat. And, and it, unless you're a vegetarian, why wouldn't you want the best meat you can eat? So that's, you know, there's another component to hunting. And then you get into the different ways you can prepare it to cook it, to, to make it flavorful. I mean, you can share it with your friends. This is what we did historically. You know, we brought it back first for our family, you know, then for the members of our local community or our, our village, you know, then the tribe, then the, you know, the greater clan. And eventually, you know, for the country, we all, we all benefit when the hunters are successful. So you're actually taking part in something that is so deeply satisfying that if you don't hunt, you don't understand that. And you have a, you actually have a relationship with the meat you're eating. That's, you know, it's not just cellophane wrap, something you bought from what, what animal, who knows? I don't know how many different animals are mixed in there and you're cooking it up and eating it and you don't care. There's no relationship to the, the food you're eating. So when you're hunting, you, you have that relationship. It means something. Every meal means something. And, and you know, it's something lacking in our, in our world today. So, so these are all components that you understand that are wonderful, but they don't determine the success of the hunt uh, or the kill doesn't. You know, the, what, what does is all those other factors. You know, the, the kill is just a tiny little slice of the hunting pie. And everything you've mentioned, go out there to enjoy all of that. And, uh, you know, once you, if you're fortunate enough to get a great big one and get to take your grip and grin picture, uh, picture, then fantastic. And, you know, that's not ego. That's a memory of, uh, incredible accomplishment, um, that, that we as hunters, we, we painted on caves originally. And now we take pictures. It's the same mm-hmm. symbolic gesture and, and a memory. So, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of on a soapbox here, but you, <laughs> to go out on your first hunt, that's incredible. And I think it's, I think it's fantastic, and I, I'd love to hear how you do. It's uh, it's a wonder that, you know, me on my thousands hunt, I still feel. So what you're feeling right now is exactly what I'm feeling as I prepare to go to the Yukon, you know, to live up there for a month in the wildlands. Uh, it, it never goes away as a hunter. It's a beautiful, beautiful feeling that uh, that everybody recognizes in in a deeply innate way. And that's what you're feeling right now. So just, yeah, go out and enjoy every, every minute, every step, every experience and, and every breath. I mean, every breath, it's your hunter in, in the wildlands. It doesn't get better than that. It's just, I'm, I'm at the point now where I've kind of done the majority of my prep work. I've, I've gone through my gear and I've kind of organized it and planned out my pack. I've, I've I've finishing up all my my scouting online that I can do and and I've had actually had some really generous generous people reach out to me um and and share information like significant amounts of information that uh that that really you know normally as as hunters <laughs> we'd normally keep close to the heart but uh yeah, yeah. Just some very generous people that yeah. are, I think are yeah. are almost more excited for me than I am for myself. But it's kind of at the point where I don't have other than you know just 
practicing my shooting and, and continuing to, to practice carrying a pack and things like that, I don't have a ton of planning to do. And so I'm starting to get really anxious. Um, I'm not really sure how I'm going to make it through these next three weeks at work. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, just, just, you know, what I do is I, what, what I just did this morning, I just came back in from a, a hike over the mountain, back down to the water, over the mountain, again, back home. It's about a five mile hike and you know, it's only maybe 1500 vertical feet total. Um, but with a 40 pound pack on it, it, what it does, it sort of knocks down some of that, that, uh, you know, anticipation and excitement gets, you know, it, it makes me slow down a little bit and, and just, just wait, you know, so you'll be out there soon enough. So exercise is always a good way to, to prepare when you're at this, this sort of waiting point and you, you can't, you know, you can't do much more. I mean, you can practice your bow too. That's always fun. I definitely need plenty of that. And I actually, uh, <laughs> hey, we all do. Yeah. I actually, you know, I do, uh, I do hikes about every other day. There's a, there's not a ton of places that are close that I can get away with before I have to head into the office. But, um, today was actually especially exciting. I was a little frustrated because of the eclipse. I hike up to an observatory and, uh, it was just packed over, you know, a couple hundred people up there. Oh, yeah. But so I was a, I was a little frustrated. But on my way down, you know, normally I see some squirrels and lizards, and that's about it. Maybe the occasional jackrabbit. But because uh, I'm in the middle of Los Angeles, I should I should clarify that. Um, but on my way down, I saw two does run across the trail, oh, and it was just, you know, it's it, for for a lot of folks that live out in the country, that's you know just what it is every day. But for for me and for this uh, this particular trail. You just don't see that ever, and to see two of them pop out, I you know I don't know if I want to call it a good omen or what, but it was just <laughs> yeah. well, it was just very encouraging. Yeah, of course, it's a good omen. Think about it back, uh, you know, ten thousand years ago, your ancestors, uh, if they had an eclipse and had deer crossing across in front of them, you think they wouldn't put some deeply spiritual meaning on that? Of course, there is. So yeah, it's a good omen. I think. Uh, I think you're in for a, a, a wonderful hunt because of all that. Well, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna take it that way, one way or the other. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so when you, uh, you know, when you first started hunting, obviously there wasn't, uh, you know, this giant social media presence, or you know, I'm sure uh, hunting was was spread. Word about hunting and stories about hunting were spread more through through newspapers and magazines, things like that, and TV shows. Um, what, uh, as you were growing up hunting, what, uh, who were some of the people or what were some of the things that inspired you as a hunter? Yeah, yeah I, was, I was 10 years old when I, I read a book called Hunter by J.A. Hunter. He was a uh, wildlife conservation officer in Kenya back in the, 30s, 40s, 50s, and and I read his book when I was grade five. I actually, I remember distinctly. I read it three times in a row, and usually during Miss Rashley's arts class, which sent me down to the detention <laughs> in front of the principal's office for, uh, but you know, which gave me more time to read my book. Uh, so, so you know, that was the kind of things that inspired me. Uh, Jim Corbett's, uh, you know, the, the man eaters of. Kukamamba and Jugo, whatever it was in, in India, the, you know, there's another book that inspired me. The, the contemporary writers of the time, like Jack O'Connor, 
my father was more enamored with, with Jack's writing and, and what Jack said. You know, my father loved the fact that he said a 270 is all you need for any North American big game species, 270 Winchester, which, <laughs> you know, I, I never, I never really bought into that even way back when I, I always figured, no, it's, you needed something bigger, bigger was better. But, uh, but Jack O'Connor definitely was an influence, uh, back in those day, days. Uh, and, and then bringing even forward into a more contemporary time, uh, Jim Zumbo, um, he was, he was, uh, he was, a, he was a big influence on me as well. And, and even, uh, you know, so the guys that were like, uh, Craig Boddington at the time, he was, uh, he was, he was, not, not an influence, but, but an inspiration, you know, even Larry Wyshoon, you know, and they, these guys are still going, you know, still today, still involved with the outdoor industry. So, so they were, I remember the first time I, I walked into a, into a room with them. It was, uh, you know, I, I was like, wow, meeting my, my uh, heroes. I literally, I walked up to Jim Zumbo and said, holy smokes, uh, Jim Zumbo, you're my hero. So, you know, and, and in a way I'm kind of, hopefully they're listening to those guys because, in a way, I'm saying how much younger I, I am than, than Zumbo and, and Weissman <laughs> and the crew. But, but uh, yeah, they, they were, you know, I was influenced by all of them. But I, I really was more influenced by the earlier writers, the adventure writers, the guys that that lived, you know, during that period when, when uh, wildlife conservation was just just coming into the, the forefront. Uh, that, that was more my era of in, inspiration, uh, for what I am today and, and, uh, and what I've done in my life. Well, you know, it plants that seed and, you know, as we were, as we were kind of talking before the podcast started, you, uh, you have planted the seed in many, many other people as well. Um, you know, we were talking before and, uh, you, you were one of the first people that really inspired me to be interested in hunting. Uh, you know, of course, uh, Eva as well. She uh, inspired me a lot to pick up a bow. Um, so I mean, you know, you've you've taken taken this seed that was planted in you uh, years and years ago, and you have you know spread it, spread this passion for hunting to. I mean, it has to be thousands and thousands of people. I mean, <laughs> well, hopefully, you know, they, I've, I'm often asked what I like my legacy to be in the, in the outdoor world. And, and if I would be, I would rest at peace for eternity. If, if my legacy was that, you know, they'd say that I made a positive influence on the non-hunting public about what hunters are and what hunting is, then I, I would be, I would be uh, overjoyed. I mean, I, I would I'd say, great, that's a life well spent. Because I know what it means to us who hunt, and I know how we've been vilified and marginalized by the mainstream press, and and you know turned into these ugly caricatures, and it, 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 I, I find it so sad. I mean, I, I've been I was in four different Western uh, United States cities in the last seven days doing appearances, and you know time after time after time you meet these wonderful people that have families and they're you know, they live in the outdoors. Yes, they're not as, you know, urbanized and they don't have the same philosophies as the urban people, but they don't live the same lives. You, you can't judge them from an ivory tower in downtown New York City or, or Los Angeles where you are. 
and and look at these people and say that they're buffoons or that they're in any way less sophisticated or less evolved. I mean, give me a break. These people have values that are the very values that this, you know, these two great countries, Canada and the United States, were, were built on. I mean, family, honor, tradition, respect. And, and I see it over and over and over again. And yet it, it, you will never see that brought up in the mainstream press. They would rather have us look like, you know, you know, low sensibility goons. And it's, 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 I, I just find it such a, such a sad thing when, when uh, anyone writes about hunters that way. Sure. We, we, you know, we've got a, an element that isn't as respectful of the laws, but those are called poachers. They're not called hunters. And most hunters have, have wonderful higher sensibilities about the animals they're after and, and respect and, and a love for those wild animals. They just, aren't necessarily the people that are best at articulating those feelings. They feel it, but they can't talk about it or can't explain it to somebody. And, and as I said earlier, until somebody goes out and experiences it themselves, they can never understand it. It's impossible. It's, uh, it's, it's how do you explain something that's spiritual, you know, faith? You, you, can't, you can't explain it. You, you can have it, but only if you have it. So, so it's... Uh, as I said, you know, back to your, your question, I, I would love that my legacy to be that I made a positive influence on, on, on the impression or perspective of hunting and, and hunters. Well, I mean, I, I definitely say you have, you know, if you haven't already achieved that, you've made incredible strides in that direction just because you present it in such a, I don't even know the right word, but just such a fashion that's, respectful and um and and just honest and straightforward you don't uh I, I don't want to say you don't dumb it down to like hide things or from the public you know you show it 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 is what it is but you do it in such a respectful way that you know you can't really you can't walk away from uh from it and say like this is a this is a bad guy this is an evil person i mean there will always be people that create you know over the top <laughs> people that will say stuff like that and yeah but well, just for the record my my uh my my personal 24-hour record for death threats is 88 in, in 24 hours so so you know you can you know, i appreciate what you're saying but there's, there's people out there oh, that yeah. their ideology is just so so I don't know, close-minded, you know, note with zero tolerance. I, I, I laugh, at, I don't laugh. I'm saddened by it that, that these people I know they're, you know, they believe so deeply in what they're saying that they just can't have respect for anybody else's way of life, and and it's uh, I find it sad. I think it's a loss for them. I mean, I, I respect what they want. I mean, and and so do all hunters. I mean, we respect. Someone wants to be a vegetarian fantastic have at it but you know don't think that that's you know at that point you're holier than thou and you don't kill animals i mean those those fields of of uh tofu <laughs> you know and, I, and i'm you know being a little uh, facetious here but they you know those, those fields of tofu that was formerly habitat for wildlife and now it's a monoculture you're killing off wildlife by being a vegetarian just as much as a hunter when he kills a deer the, the difference is the hunter you know there's no hypocrisy on it the hunter knows he's killing the deer and and it's 
know, I, I'm saddened that these people think that that somehow hunting is is uh, an ugly blood sport. I mean, that's not you know that's so far from the truth. That's focusing on the the moment of the kill. And, and believe me, those hamburgers that they're eating and those steaks that they're eating, those were living, breathing animals at one point. That chicken is too, and, and so are those prawns. And you can't tell me that that you know fried soul that you're having in the fancy restaurant wasn't a living, breathing animal. Maybe not air, but it's uh, you know it's still an animal with with a life. And and to think any less of that animal is, as I say, hypocrisy. So I'm just saddened when I see people like that and they're so closed-minded and and you know with zero tolerance to anybody's point of view other than their own and and that's not what hunters are about never never have been well i feel like people whose ideology values the life of an animal over that of a person or or even not necessarily over that but but when somebody thinks that death threats are an appropriate response to to this you know at at some point like I understand they're passionate, but at some point your ideology just becomes so twisted that there's almost no reasoning with with these people, and it is it is a sad thing. Yeah, it's a sad commentary on on our on our quote unquote civilized world. I mean, it's it's uh, like you say, twisted is a, is a great way great way great word. I might steal that in the future. That's, <laughs> that's a perfect perfect way to describe it because it is you know it is a it is the intentions are pure, but the but once they twist it up like that, where it's impossible to see anything other than their own, you know, myopic view of the world, and and like you say, to think, think that death threats are, or even just ugly comments. I mean, why, why, what what is what did that ever accomplish? It's and then I don't know. Maybe it's it's um, there's 7.5 billion of, of us in the world. You you put you put it's been proven. You you put too many rats into a cage they start eating each other. So, so, you know, I don't know. It's maybe it's a, it's more a statement on just how many there, there are of us human beings in this world. Who knows? It takes somebody smarter than myself to, to figure <laughs> that one out. Well, who, uh, are, is there anyone out in the industry right now that, that you kind of feel also presents, uh, who would you, who would you look at and say, you know, they do a, an incredible job of, presenting this whole picture of hunting uh other people that that you would say really provide a positive influence to the non-hunting community uh, as far as hunting goes uh, you know i, I think there's uh, it, there's there's people that are really influence influencing segments of the population like i think of a cam haynes um you know with, with his physical fitness and extreme athleticism uh, he's reaching, you know, out to those people that are, that are into that. I mean, I, you know, I can't do 500 push-ups, and, <laughs> and nor do I need to, to climb up the mountain, you know, so, but I, I don't reach out to those people that Cam reaches. So, so he reaches a segment, uh, Steve Ranella, um, bright, bright young man. Um, you know, he reaches out to the people, you know, about the meat part of, of, of hunting, um, you know, with, a with a, you know, a, an orientation towards the spiritual side. I wouldn't say that, you know, Steve doesn't have a world vision of, of what the hunting is because he, he just, you know, isn't old enough to have traveled 
the world to, to see, to have the real big picture on it. But I think he's really doing a great job in his, in his um, sort of meat world. You know, I think that's, that's his tagline is meat eater. Yep. Uh, I think he's doing a great uh, guys like Joe Rogan, fantastic, fantastic ambassador for hunting. I mean, Joe is a bright, bright man, hugely successful reaches. I think he's got over 2 million uh, Instagram followers and, and, you know, he's a hunter, he's an archer. And, and, you know, he, he's, he's like a sponge when he, when he, uh, when he's asking questions about hunting, he wants to know, he wants to see the bigger picture. He doesn't just want to represent one small part of it. Uh, you know, so he's, he's making a, a, a great influence on the public. Uh, Eva Shockey, our own daughter, you know, Eva, <laughs> Eva's doing, I think she's one of the greatest ambassadors we have. She's young, beautiful, articulate, well-educated, confident. She's lived the life of a hunter. She wasn't until she was 21. But, you know, now she's embraced it and understands it. She represents hunting, I think, better in the mainstream than, than almost any of us. Uh, and, and nor does the mainstream want to talk to the rest of us. They want to talk to somebody like her. She, she's a threat to the, what the animal rights people would like to paint us as and, and the mainstream press would like to have us caricaturized as. You know, she's not. And, and so she's somebody that it has the opportunity to reach out to the, the mainstream public and doing a great job of it. So, so there's, there's a lot of ambassadors out there that are, that are reaching outside of our, our own, you know, industry preaching to the choir as it were, you know, there, there, there's uh, many of them. And I think everybody that's, you know, everybody really that, that has, I don't know what you want to put celebrity on it or, you know, maybe a little notoriety there. I think everybody's trying in their own way to, represent hunting in the best way best light they can you know it's it's um we all have our different ways and we all reach different people i don't know if anybody's reaching you know the world um yet i'm hoping that uh we we get a champion someday that'll that'll be doing that for us um, i think there's people that are capable of it they're a little nervous you know they're they're high profile people that are afraid of the backlash from animal rights people, the, the, you know, the brutal bullying, um, you know, so they don't want to stand up and say what, what they know is right. But, but there are, you know, there's, there's some uh, captains of industry that are hunters that, that are starting to put some dollars where their beliefs are, you know, slowly, but surely we're seeing it, but it, it's, as I say, the bullying online, we, you touched on it earlier is, you know, the, how, how you can reach around the world in minutes and, and go viral so that, you know, a, a message can be bastardized and mutated into some ugly, horrible, you know, misinformation, uh, you know, soundbite. Uh, so these guys are afraid of that. And that's, again, bullying online. Bully, they, they try and bully everybody to their point of view. And it's, it's not right, but it is what it is. It's welcome to the modern world. Well, you know, they... They sit and and these hateful people they play the long game. They're patient and they're willing to sit and just chip away at people's willpower and beat them down and and they will find out you know who supports you and they'll go after them too and and we have to be as hunters we have to be ready for that I think and understand that it's going to be a drawn out thing. It's not just a you know, a quick post on uh, Facebook to change hearts and minds. Uh, 
the antis are going to play the long game, so we have to be prepared to do that as well. Yeah, and that and that's you know we're we're, we're not we're, we're like to avoid conflict as, as hunters. I mean, we like still quiet mornings with the coyotes calling in the distance. I mean, that that's mm-hmm. what we like. And and you know the, this ugly duke it out you know battle is it's just not our thing. Why? Why we we let them live live and let live. It, you know, <laughs> figuratively, I'm sure that that would be twisted around saying, no, you know, you kill. Well, yeah, we do. You know, we, uh, because we have a relationship with, with the food that we eat. Yeah. We kill, which is, you know, we don't, we don't hide from it. We don't run from it. We respect it, but yeah, it, we're not going anywhere. Hunters have been around a lot longer than, than vegetarians and, and vegans or vegans, or whatever they call themselves. And it, we'll, we'll be around long after. It's not so, you know, the long game is, is fine. And, the, you know, it may seem like the, these guys are in for the long game, but they're, they're not really, you know, they're, they're not, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those little aberrations in time and, and, uh, you know, they've got a voice and, and it's, you know, and became uncool back in the sixties with the, uh, flower power movement to, to have that, that point of view and, and, you know, the, the hippies are, are, you know, that, that philosophy <laughs> still is popular, but, but, but it's not a long, it's not really a long game. If you look at it over generations, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's here. It's now in the end, it'll, it'll be proven that, you know, hunting is a great conservation tool. I, I have high hopes for the youngest generation coming up now. They, you know, they just don't buy into the, you know, the, the fake, press or fake media, whatever they're calling it nowadays. And, and, you know, they're going to want to know the truth. They want to know the truth. They don't want to just buy into garbage swilled out by, by, uh, media, you know, to sell newspapers or sell whatever they're, um, you know, I think the younger generation is going to want to know what's the truth. Okay. That's the truth. And great. Let's, you know, use the truth to best advantage to protect wildlife. So I, I have hopes for the youngest generation. I, I'm a little bit, saddened by the you know the elements in this generation right now that are just so negative about everything but as hunters you know there's there's rosy spots around the world where conservation is being proven you know, that it works because of hunting so you know we're, we're winning a lot of battles actually out there we're just not able to tell the world about them very easily because we don't control the press so what uh, what can we expect from Jim Shockey this year? What's uh, what what should we be looking out for? <laughs> Lots of uh, social media posts with our two grandchildren. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a big news in our lives. Two new brand new baby grandchildren, <laughs> a little boy and a little girl, and uh, we're you know I'm, we're I'm going to be spending a lot more time in North America and a lot of our our television shows going forward, you know, after sort of into the two nineteens and two twenties will be, uh, or twenty nineteens and twenty twenties will be, uh, North America oriented. So, so I, I'm going to be spending more time. I want to explore North America. I, I've hunted literally, as I said, everywhere around the world and every place where you can hunt for everything you can hunt. And, and, you know, now I get to refocus on North America and there's some amazing, amazing hunts that we have in North America that we, we tend to look, you know, grass is always greener. I was just down in Mississippi. They were hunting for snapping turtles 
giant alligator snapping turtles and you know <laughs> catch and release whatever the point is that that's those are dinosaurs and and that is one of the coolest hunts ever so i went hunting for them one day um trying to catch i caught one about i don't know six inches long on the carapace but uh but you know i want to go hunt that you know nutria i've never hunted a nutria i want to hunt shovel nose skates over on the east coast you know with with uh, archery uh bow hunt them so so i mean there's so many you know alligator gar paddlefish I, I believe there's a place you can hunt them so so these are things i want to explore here in north america over the next uh couple of years for sure longer even so so you'll see a lot more of that just inner space that, that i haven't had a chance to to explore i've got the outer space covered but uh, <laughs> i got you know been there done that got the t-shirts but uh i want to i want to look in north america now for the next few years well that's super exciting i will definitely be uh keeping keeping an eye out for that um so as we're winding down i always like to end uh with uh, with a little bit of advice you know as i said earlier this show's geared towards new hunters who are considering getting into the outdoors or possibly like folks like myself who grew up in the city and and wanted to to be involved in hunting in the outdoors but maybe think it's it's a little intimidating or there's too much to learn uh what maybe advice or words of wisdom would you give someone in that position Oh, the, the same advice that, that, you know, I got when I first went out, you, you take it one step at a time and, and don't, you know, don't, don't think that you're going to be an accomplished, skillful hunter on your first hunt. I mean, you're, you're, you're <laughs> heading out for your first, first hunt. It's an archery elk backpack hunt. I and mean, that is advanced level hunting. You know, Nobody ever said I was smart. Be, no, I would, I'd say what, what it is, is you're willing to challenge yourself and, and really to the nth degree. I mean, you know, but here's the thing by doing what you're doing, you take one step at a time and you'll suddenly end up there eventually. I mean, or not suddenly you'll end up there eventually um, with, with a bowl or whatever you're after standing there within archery distance. But, but it takes time and it takes one step at a time. You just have to keep going and going and going and, and never ever give up the the quest, and and know that that journey along the way is is uh, that that's what hunting is, and you're learning with every every single step. You're learning, you're learning to become a better hunter. You're you're becoming a better hunter. So, so like I said, just set goals that are realistic um, for your skill set. I mean, if you're if you're you know uh, an accomplished archer that's taken ten elk, well, yeah, set a goal for trying to get an older you know, more difficult to, to sneak up on animal. But if you've never taken an elk before, set a goal, maybe a touch lower. Like, <laughs> um, you know, know that your skills ahead of time, that you can you can hit a target at 80 yards consistently the size of a pie plate, you know, before you ever head out into the field. I mean, that that's, there's one step, you know, it's a symbolic step, but it's a step. Um, you know, practice your calling. Uh, just, just, like I say, make your, work on the skills you can ahead of time. And then once you get out in the field, just one step at a time, it'll, every step gets you closer towards that animal. And don't set a goal like, I got to get that big animal or it's not a, a successful hunt. Don't, don't set a goal like that. Set a goal that, like you talked earlier, uh, of enjoying 10 days out backpacking. That's, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. So, so you know, it's, uh, like I say, set, a, set goals that are reasonable for your skill level and, 
take it one step at a time and appreciate every step, every breath. You know, every, every breath of fresh air is making you stronger, healthier. Every, you know, calorie that you use up is, is uh, one more step towards being in better health. And then if you're fortunate enough to get one of those animals, uh, you know, show it respect. I mean, show it respect. It's not a time to fist pump and yahoo and I'm tough. It's not about that at all. You know, you took the life of an animal, respect it, show reverence for it and, and understand that that animal died so that you can live and, you know, you can live another animal is going to have to die. And, and so you can live on and it's just life begets death, begets life, begets death. Understand the, this, this incredible majestic thing that you've taken part in and, and, uh, and you know how, how understand how deeply spiritual it is. Feel feel that moment, and and you know then you you become a hunter at that point. So like I say, one one step at a time, and you'll end up with that that epiphany, that that incredible moment that all hunters hope for, the where they succeeded in getting the animal. Wow, um, I'm a little bit speechless after that. Uh, I I could not imagine a. a better way to end this podcast um jim thank you so much for for being willing and taking the time out of your busy schedule to hop on the line with me today if uh people wanted to follow you online uh where's the best place to to check out all the uh grandchild pictures <laughs> you know I'm, I'm still on facebook i think we have about six hundred thousand followers and, and instagram as well we've got a couple hundred thousand followers there so so those those are the two best places to uh, to uh, follow what we're doing behind the scenes on on a day to day basis. And just Jim Shockey on both of those. Yep, you bet. All righty. Well, thanks again for hopping on the line. You know, I know you uh, are anxious to get out on the boat, so I'll let you go. But uh, thank you so much. You betcha. There's there's some prawn traps I have to go pull, so we're we're gonna be eating like kings tonight. <laughs> I'm a little bit jealous right now. Thanks again, Jim. <laughs> okay. Good luck on your hunt. I appreciate it. All right, y'all. That'll do it for episode 31 of Living Country in the City. Now, I hope you all enjoyed that one as much as I did. Uh, I got a lot out of it, so I hope you all did too. Make sure you give Jim a follow online and check out all his adventures this year, as well as all the grandbaby photos. You can find links to all those pages, as well as any pages we talked about in the episode, on the show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash 31. Now, if you haven't yet, please take a moment to subscribe to the show. And if you've enjoyed what you're listening to, I'd really appreciate it if you left me an honest review or rating on iTunes or Stitcher. It really helps the podcast grow and helps me continue to get awesome folks on to uh, talk with and learn from. Good luck with y'all seasons this year, and I'll talk to you soon. But in the meantime, keep it country, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com. You know, this is, I I just kind of have to have a little fanboy moment and say this was very exciting for me getting to talk to you, so. Oh, (laughs) I'm going to have a great big head. I won't won't be able to put my cowboy hat on if you keep giving me compliments like that.